This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, we trust you all had a good week this week. Praise God. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made for us to do what? Yeah, and what else are we going to do? We're going to be glad. Hallelujah. Thank God. I tell you what, it's so wonderful to know him. You know, I spent 19 years of my life and I didn't know him. I went to a mainline denominational church, just like a lot of folk, but I never was introduced to Jesus. I was never told or shown the pathway to salvation. And, you know, uh, I mean, you can read it in the scriptures, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Goes on to say that he didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. Aren't you glad for that? You know, when I was a kid growing up, man, I mean, I thought God was after me, you know, but thank God I didn't know that Jesus already paid the price so he wouldn't be after me. Isn't that good? Y'all still here? You didn't take a nap since we sat down, did you? Come, you know? No, and uh, thank God for the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. And thank God he made a pathway for us to be able to enjoy eternal life to become children of God, to be a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. We have so much to be thankful for. And yet sometimes, you know, you get in groups or situations and most of the conversation is anything but thankful. Most of the time it's griping, complaining, you know, being unthankful, blaming, murmuring, you know, all of that kind of business. Let us not be found as part of that company within our lives. Let us always be grateful. May we always be thankful. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible admonishes us to be people that are thankful. Are you listening to me? Am I in the right house? Amen. And so it becomes imperative, you know, as a child of God. You know, when Paul was writing to the church there in Ephesus, he he made the statement. He says, be very careful about the way you live. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? I mean, some people, they don't give much thought to the way they live at all. They're just kind of going down the path of life and doing whatever it is that they do. But Paul said, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, be very careful how you live. How many of you know how we live is important? You know, our decisions, our choices, you know, the things that we say, the things that we do, they all impact not only our lives, but the lives of those that are around us. So God help us to be full of the Holy Ghost and His power, amen, to be able to live this thing out. You know, when Jesus was talking about the spirit of truth, He said when He's come, He'll guide you into all the truth. Not only that, He also said that He would help us. How many of you know we need help? I've been around a few folk, and it's apparent they need help. Hallelujah. And I guess that'd probably suit me as well. But that's why Jesus said that it's to our advantage that he go away. If he didn't, then the Spirit of God wouldn't come. But he paid a price, and he opened up the door in order for there to be access for us to be able to not only enter into the kingdom of God, but the very spirit and life of God to dwell within us, and he wants to help us. Praise God. He is our helper. Everybody say helper. Hallelujah. Let's give the First Lady of the Church a great big round of applause. She comes down. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I, <clears throat> I will hear about that, by the way. But it's okay. Praise the Lord. I just love her with all my heart. I've been married to her for how long have we been married? I'm digging a bigger hole. Oh, I think it's going to be 43 years, isn't it? Okay, she's not even talking to me right now. All right. Anyway, um, I tell you, I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done in your lives. to give you the privilege of knowing him. I want us, you know, to really think about uh, what we have because so much of the time people are always complaining about what they don't have and they're missing the forest for the trees. Are you with me? And so their thoughts all go down this path about deficiencies and what ought to be different and what people aren't doing and this and that. And, and so the message that I, that I want to share with you um, at least makes an attempt to reverse that kind of thinking because we are of all people most blessed. Amen. 
You may not have two nickels to rub together, but I'm telling you, if you know Jesus, you are blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. So anyway, with that, let's open our Bibles to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. And let me just say, we welcome all of you. Glad you can be with us uh, today here at the church. We're excited about uh, July. We've got a number of different things that we're going to be working towards and doing together to uh, provide community. We've got some announcements and things that we'll be sharing with you later in the service. But one thing I just wanted to share with you, we are going to go back to our midweek services on July the 8th after the uh, holiday. And uh, so we're excited about being able to do that. And uh, there's some other things that we're wanting to do. We want to get our, our community back. You know, I mean, it just, you know, we've all been scattered to the wind here and holed up in some place. And, you know, that's all well and good. And we all gained about five, 10 pounds. But, you know, how many of you know it's time to get back where we belong here? Amen. And so we'll, we'll share a few of those things with you as we go on. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Notice with me, if you would, just the first portion of this scripture. I've shared it here in days gone by, but we're just going to make it uh, our text for this day. Notice in verse 9 it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support. Everybody say hallelujah. Yeah, strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. That's all we want to read, okay? Yeah, hallelujah. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong or to provide strong support to those whose hearts are, the, I use the uh, English Standard Version, blameless, huh? or whose hearts are completely his. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he's watching out for me. Amen? Now, here's the point that I want to make in this, and that is simply this, that you know, whether you realize it or not, as a child of God, as a believer, as a human being, you know, we're always going to be experiencing challenges. We're always going to be dealing with opposition. There's, there's going to be trouble in our lives. But here's the good news, that whatever opposition, challenge, or trouble that you have, thank God you're not in it alone. See, when he made the statement, his eyes are looking all over the earth to show himself strong, you don't need somebody that's strong unless you're in trouble. So the point is, is that thank God, whatever you and I face, we may have a health situation or condition, we may have a financial need within our lives, we may have relational matters, you know, that are troubling us. There may be all kinds of different things that we're having to deal with, you know, within our lives. But the Bible says that his eyes are looking for people just like you so that he can show himself strong in your behalf. Isn't that wonderful? Everybody say it together. I'm not alone in whatever I'm in. <laughs> yeah, whatever you're in, you're not alone. You know, we have all kinds of responsibilities in life, and sometimes they can be so uh, weighty and, and burdensome. And thank God there is a God in heaven that is fully aware, easily touched. You know, he knows all about what it is that's going on within our lives. And praise God, he wants to come to our aid to help us. How many of you know that there are times in life when we really need the wisdom of heaven? Glory to God. Not the advice of the world, but the wisdom of heaven. And thank God it's available to us because we're the children of God. And as we, you know, look to him, thank God he can provide everything that we need. I'll use this illustration, you know, I mean, it applies at least in my mind. But, you know, a lot of times when Joan and I may be flying someplace and if we're coming back late, you know, it gets dark we're, and it's... Um, uh, we're going to be landing at a certain airport or whatever the case might be. One of the things that she likes the most is she says, now, show me where the airport is before you turn on the lights because I want to see them come up, you know. And so I said, okay. And the way that works in the aircraft is, is that you can key the mic or the microphone or the radio when we're talking. And um, if you key it three times, they'll come on low. If you key it five times, they'll come on medium. And if you key them seven times, they'll come up really, really bright, okay? Well, if you're in a, um, 
instrument condition and you're actually shooting an approach into the into the airport because you can't see anything because the, the cloud deck is very low and things and you're in what we call the soup, there's nothing as delightful as for you to come out of that and see them lights, okay? Are you with me? <laughs> you with me? And so, uh, yeah, Joan gets real happy when she sees them lights. Yeah, praise. I don't know why. You know, I mean, we've been doing this for a while, but you, you remember the story, you've heard the story when I first got my license, I wanted to take her flying. I was so excited, you know, to be able to take my wife flying. She says, I'll tell you what, why don't we just little, wait a little bit because I'd rather have my pilots more seasoned. <laughs> so she did. But now, baby, when she gets in, I mean, I am in control. Praise the Lord. Well, at least I think I am. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Hallelujah. So my, my, here's the thing. I'm, I'm using this illustration to simply say, you don't want to make it difficult for God when he's looking for you to find you. You want your lights on high. So I've entitled this, you know, Lights On. And hopefully that's the case in your life, you know. I, I mean, you think about it in this context, you know, Jesus spoke a parable about the ten virgins, and he said that there were those that had plenty of oil. The Bible says that they had their lamps trimmed and their lights burning. And so the point in, in my sharing this with you is, is that uh, you want to be the person, praise God, that God has no difficulty finding. Are you with me? And there are reasons for that, why that, I mean, obviously, God knows everything. He knows exactly where you are. He doesn't have to look very far. Are you listening to me? But the illustration is simply this, praise God, let's have our lights on so that it's easy for God to be able to find us. Hallelujah. You know, um, I don't know if you realize it or not, but Jesus is coming again. Yes. The Bible says that it is nearer now than when we first believed. Many of us have been in the you know, kingdom of God for 20, 25, 30, 40 years or more. And the Bible says that now is nearer than when we first got started. Nobody knows the hour or the day, but we know that he's coming. You know, and we know that signs and, and fulfillment of prophetic things are all coming into a culmination. We see a lot of things that are going on in the world. You know, you got all these scholars, you know, that are into the blood red moon and all of these different kinds of things and their occurrence and the frequency of them all. And all of these things are showing us that Jesus is standing on the threshold ready to come into this world and catch his bride away. And guess what? You're his bride. Hallelujah. And so in the context of that, you know, there's exhortation within the scriptures for you and I to watch and be prepared. You know, Joe Morris always talks about, you don't want Jesus to come and you're in your speedo. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm sure that's probably true. But to watch and be prepared for the coming of the Son of Man. You know, um, the disciples, you know, when they were talking with Jesus before he went to heaven, um, they were asking, and they said, well, when is the sign of these things? When is, when's your return? When are you going to come? And he began to explain to them what it is that they could look for. Aren't you glad this morning that we have a record of some of the things that have been communicated as to what it is you and I can look for? And I mean, we see it everywhere. I mean, the fulfillment of those things that Jesus' nations, you know, against nations, you know, uh, famines, uh, pestilence, all of these different kinds of things and divers places, earthquakes, you know, occurring, all these things. Jesus said before his coming, these things would happen. So we're living within this moment, you know, that may represent two years or 10 years, or who knows when, but we're on top of it. Are you listening to me? And so, again, to watch and to be prepared for his coming becomes key. Now, when Jesus was talking with his disciples, he was telling them the things that they could look for, but then he kind of switched and started talking about the imperatives or the characteristics of those who are following him. And he used these four parables. He talked about the homeowner and the thief. Remember that story? And he just said if the homeowner knew when he was coming, he would have watched. Are you with me? Then he also talked about, you know, not only that, but <clears throat> he talked about the good and the wicked. 
you know, and I'm talking about within the Christian community because how many of you know people could get kind of ornery once in a while? Yeah, they let their carnal flesh, you know, control them and they say, you know, I don't really want to behave today. I just think I want to be mean. Well, now I know none of you would ever do that, but he did talk about those, you know, servants that mistreated one another. How many of you know God doesn't want us mistreating one another? Come on. And so then he uses another parable, and he talks about, as I mentioned, the ten virgins. And, you know, some of them were wise and some of them were foolish. What was that all about? Well, some of them took oil so that if, you know, uh, the bride or the groom lingered in his coming, they would have sufficiency more than enough to be able to wait for him. Five of them were foolish. They didn't, they didn't take any. And so they said, well, give us some of yours. And they said, forget you. Go get your own. And it's an interesting kind of concept because I think what Jesus was talking about it is simply this, that there are a lot of people in the church world who think that they are okay and their lamps go out because they don't have a personal relationship with God and they want the ones that are in the kingdom to give them something they can't give them. Only you can call on the name of the Lord to be saved and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior well, I'm in the church. You know, I'm a member of the church. I was baptized in water. You know what? Nobody cares. And that's a tough one because it's not about your works. It is about the condition of your heart. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So when we talk about calling on the name of the Lord, we're talking about a place of repentance that we find where we recognize that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And that in the context of that, we surrender our lives fully and completely to him. You know, when I was a 19-year-old kid, people were pitching me the gospel. And they were saying, you need to give your heart to Jesus. And I knew that they were right, but I didn't want to. Can we be honest? Now, I knew they were right, but I didn't want to. And so, you know, I went through all kinds of gyrations and things, and it wasn't until I found out from the Word of God, how many of you know the Word is a living thing? It wasn't until I found out from the living Word of God about my own honest condition and my need for Him to come into my life, and I said yes. And that's where every person has to get to. Are you with me? So in the parable of the ten virgins, the Bible says five of them weren't, weren't ready. And the thing is, is when they came and they knocked on the door and it was closed, he said, I don't know you. I didn't know you. I never knew you. Are you with me? And there are people in the church. You know, the thing is, you guys, we are salt and light in this earth. And I'm telling you what, it is important for us to be that. Not in, a, not in an aggressive kind of way, not in any kind of a... Um, you know, I'm better than you thing or anything of that nature. But in love, we ought to be talking to people about their eternal salvation and whether or not they know him. Are you with me? I approached a man some years ago and, you know, I knew I didn't know him to be a believer. And so I said, you know, I just, I just eased into it. I mean, he knew I was a preacher and I just said, uh, you know, um, are you a, do you happen to be a person of faith? He said, I was in a church one time and I got married. I've never been back. I don't really want to talk about that anymore. Well, I guess we kind of got shut down there, you know. But what I did is I continued to pray uh, for that individual because guess what? They know they need to know Jesus, don't they? So sometimes you run into those and sometimes you run into others that say, no, tell me more. And thank God for the tell me mores. Isn't that right? But, in, but again, you know, so anyway, kind of gotten off my subject here a little bit. So he talks about these different parables, and then he finally gets to the third one, or the fourth one, which is the parable of the talents, where one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. Of course, the one, you know, he buried his talent, his ability, his, his service, if you want to call it that, into the kingdom of God. He put it in the backyard. Guess what? God does not want you putting your abilities in the backyard. He wants you taking the abilities that you have been given, the talents that he has entrusted with you to do, them, do something for the kingdom of God, amen, in the way of service, in the way of advancing the kingdom of God, because after all, we're in this together, aren't we? So again, you know, Jesus kind of shifted from this is what you can look for, but here's what you need to be doing. 
And so we as believers need to make sure, again, that our lights are on. There's a whole lot of shaking going on, huh? I mean, you don't have to look very far. I mean, and there is just stuff going on that you never imagined even 60 days ago that you would see happening. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But see, the Bible says that all these things, and you say, well, what is going on? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. There is a titanic struggle against the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. And when you see churches burning and people this and that and the other, it is the spirit of Antichrist that is, and here's the reason why. Hell, Satan knows that his days are numbered. And so he's ramping it up. Are you listening to me? You know, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people in this world that have succumbed to the ideologies and the thinking of this world, and they are being used as instruments to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's where the church comes in, where we need to be people of prayer and praying, praise God, to stave off that and its effect where our lives are concerned and even the lives of our nation. Are you listening to me? We've got people that are in places of authority, and they're fighting a good fight for that which is right and just and true, and you guys, we need to pray for them. I mean, they stand alone many times. You know, Tim Scott here just recently was trying to get some legislation through, and they they tried to fillet this guy, and the truth of the matter is, is that what he had proposed would be very, very helpful. But they don't want help. They want chaos. And it's, the, it's hell that is at the core of what's going on. It's not white and black. It's not Republican and Democrat. Are you listening to me? Get it straight. Because the thing is, is you hear all these narratives and they push them, you know, because there's certain things that they want people to think. But at the end of the day, we are coming to a time in our lives when we need to be about the Father's business. Can I get a witness. It becomes imperative. So, hallelujah. Let's make sure our lights are on. Our Heavenly Father needs to have no problem finding us, and He won't if our hearts are completely His. That's the key. Are you with me? If our heart is divided, if it's over here someplace, and I'm trying, listen to me, uh, it's time for us to get our focus back on the things of God. Are you listening to me? Now, it isn't to say that you can't enjoy life or anything of that nature, but let's make sure that our priorities are square. Am I in the right house? Huh? You know? Hallelujah. What, what, what defines our heart being completely His? It's a great question. His eyes are running all over the earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of what? Whose hearts are what? His. Completely His. Huh? Isn't that right? But what constitutes that? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that we need to make sure that we're obeying Him. Not obeying our feelings, not obeying our flesh. Are you listening to me? But we're obeying Him, that we're seeking Him, that we are trusting Him. Hallelujah. You know, so many of you in your history with Jesus have had times in your life when you had to turn to Him and look to Him. And in that uh, history, you have your stories of what it is that God has done for you. Hallelujah. You know, we used to, well, we didn't sing this song. They used to have a song, you know, when I think about the Lord and all that he's done for me, I want to dance, 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 dance all night. Hallelujah. I'm not much of a dancer, so I'm going to leave that up to somebody else. Amen. When I think about his goodness and what he's done for me, you know, when I think about that, I have to ask you the question this morning, you know, how often do we think about His goodness? Well, I say, well, you know, I think about it once in a while, you know, but see, what I'm trying to suggest to you is, is if the dominant pattern of our thought life is always on what's wrong and the trouble and all of these different kinds of things, then obviously it's going to give shape to our attitudes. It's going to give shape to, you know, um, the way that we, our behavior, and just our mood, and all of those different kinds of things. But dear friend, child of God, believer, I want you to refocus, hallelujah, on the goodness of God that is in your life, not all of the negative that we see going on around us. You say, well, you know what, dude, you need to get a clue, because that's like sticking your head in the sand. No, it's not. Hallelujah. 
I just don't have to respond to all of the nonsense and the gainsaying and all of the different things that are going on in the world. Because greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world. Can you say amen? So while there is all of this shaking that's going on, now is the time to be established and settled in where it is that you put your trust. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you want, if you want safety, put your trust in him. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what God, I mean, no man can take away from you what God has for you. And if they attempt to do it, I'm telling you what, God will show up and get it back. You know, he is a God of recovery and restoration, isn't he? We've been preaching quite a bit about that. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible, and I've shared this scripture, it says in Hebrews 10, don't ever cast away your confidence. You know, people look what's going on in the earth today, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they start to draw down. They start to, you know, their head starts to droop and drop and things. That, he said, don't cast away your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. You have need of endurance so that after you have done, after you have done, after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he will come. Hallelujah. Everybody say he's coming again. Glory to God, he's coming again. He that shall come will come, and he won't hold back. So don't draw back as those, you know, that are going toward destruction and say, that's ah, every man for himself, just going to have to do whatever I can do. No, 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 a thousand times no. We're not of those that draw back under perdition or destruction, but rather of those that believe. Everybody say, I believe. I believe. Yeah, we're of those that believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. Salvation is coming. Redemption, the fullness of it is coming. Hallelujah. And it is that that God asks us to fix our gaze upon and to look forward to. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. It's not the time to cut and run. We got people in the church that are cutting and running. You know what I mean by that? They've disappeared. A lot of times, you know, because of offense or whatever, you know. I'm telling you what, you guys. I mean, you know, if you're a child of God, you belong in the church. Well, I don't need the church. Yeah, you do. If Jesus said that you're not to forsake the assembly of yourselves together, then I'd like to suggest to you that you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, they don't like me, or they this, or they did that, or they did whatever. You know, the thing about it is, my friend, you've got a problem, and Jesus wants to solve it so that you can get back into the community of faith and with others of like precious faith. Human nature wants to blame somebody else for all of its problems. Did you know that? It's never my fault. Mm -mm. Well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not suggesting that there wasn't mistreatment or you know, abuse or how, however you want to define it, but you are still faced with a decision as to how it is that you're going to respond to that and handle that. And Jesus told us to forgive. How often, Jesus, should I forgive my brother? Seven times? You know, I'm sure the disciples thought, man, that's a stretch, but let's just throw it out there and see what happens. And he said, why don't you multiply that times 70 in a day, and then you'll be there. We don't have a right to hold people in unforgiveness. Did you hear me? And I tell you what, you got to understand right now, get, get a clue right now, because there are things that are going to be happening in our world, unfortunately, that are not going to be pleasing, and you're going to have to make decisions about whether you're going to let those things go and let God be the one that fights your battle. Did you hear me? Huh? You say, well, I don't want to hear this much. It doesn't matter what you want to hear, dude. You know, all these things shall come to pass. The good news is, is that as a child of God, you find yourself within and underneath the umbrella of God's divine protection and that he will keep and sustain his own. Can you say amen? amen. But you got to do it his way. And so if you don't want to forgive and you want to get mad or you want to do whatever the case might be, it takes you out from underneath the umbrella and it puts you out there all by yourself. And the last time I've been in a hailstorm, it wasn't a lot of fun. Are you listening to me? Thank God we don't have to be in that shape. Praise God. You say, well, this isn't a very uplifting message. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm not done yet. Come on. You know, it's like a sandwich. You know, you got your bread, slice of bread, and you 
put the stuff in the middle and then you got something on the other outside, you know, that hopefully is kind of good. We have to face reality. You know, I, I, I can come up here and give you, you know, <laughs> great swelling words of wisdom, you know, and whatever the case might be. But, you know, I'm a pastor, and I love people, and I want them to succeed, and I want them to be victorious. But you can't stick your head in the sand when you've got problems in your house, and I'm talking about your own heart and your own life, and you're not dealing with them. Come on. Yeah? Woo! Pastor, preach it, would you please? That's what I'm trying to do. Just let me. Hallelujah. No, praise God. We're not going to cut and run. We're going to settle, praise God, on who we're going to serve, and that's Jesus. You know, in the parable that Jesus, how many of you believe that what Jesus said was true? So when he gave us this parable about the sower who went out to sow, he said the seed is the word of God. And he talked about the different types of soil, which represent the condition of people's hearts, really. Because when the seed goes out, the word goes out, it, it, it attempts to make a place of, well, it finds a place of lodging, you know, in people's heart. And he described these different kinds of soil. And he talked about this one where he talked about the, the uh, thorns, where the seeds ended up in thorns. And he said, those people, by description, are they, when they <clears throat> have heard, they go out and they are choked, or the word is choked out of their life because of cares, huh? Because of cares, because of riches, and because of the, this, this translation says, pleasures of life, okay? Eh, I'm not so much interested in that, you know, I'm just, I got my own thing to do and whatever. Are you with me? Dear friend, believer, child of God, the one who he purchased with his own blood, don't let cares, riches, and the pleasures of this life choke the word in your life. I'm telling you, now more than ever, people need to draw nearer to God, not further away. Well, you know, if you say Jesus is coming, man, I better run because there's a bunch of stuff I want to do. Why don't you just find yourself doing what he wants you to do, and then, praise God, you'll get to enjoy whatever it is you thought you wanted to do, praise God, in eternity. Everybody say eternity. That's a long time, isn't it? No, we want to be found faithful. Praise God. Some of you, you've got pressures, you know, by the world that is around you, wanting you to conform. I'm telling you, don't do it. Are you listening to me? Young people right now, I mean, there are so many things going on, and, 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 and they're after your life. They're after your mind. They're after, you know, you. And you better, you better decide what it is that you believe and not what everybody else is telling you. You say, well, you know, I, I don't have time for that. You, better, you might want to make time for that. Amen. The Word of God and our attention to keeping it is going to be the single most important priority in our lives in these coming days. Are you with me? I want you and I to fall in love with his word again. Let's do a rediscovery. How about that? Hallelujah. The average church attendance in America today is twice a month, and that's if you're a child of God. Okay? Twice a month. You know? Well, if, I, if my wife only fed me twice a month, I'd be a lot thinner than I am right now. Are you listening to me? It's like F.F. Bosworth said, you know, he said, you know, we, we want to give our, make sure that our bodies have, you know, three hot meals every day, and then we give our, our spirits one cold snack a week, and some of them not even that. It's, it's deteriorated, you know, uh, over time, and, you know, when I, when I point out the trend, I'm not saying it to condemn, I'm just saying that, you know, something's not right, Okay. And also, you know, uh, the thing of it is, is that, you know, when you talk about the church tenants, it's not about me. It's not about me. You know, but what I do realize is, is that our hearts have to be drawn toward him and what it is that he's doing. But it's this prevailing attitude within this uh, contemporary Christian culture that it's not that big a deal. Ouch. But it is a big deal, you guys. I said, it's a big deal. 
So I want to thank you that you're here, that there's a value that you place upon it. And, and not only for that, but for your kids. We have some of the very best people teaching your kids God's word. And they need it because they're going to go out in that world and they're going to deal with stuff that they never imagined. You know, the more I think about it, the less I think about sending my kids to college. I, don't, I, I can't do that. But the more I see what it is that's happened. I just read this book of this little Asian girl, and she can't remember the title of that book. Um, but she talked about when she went, you know, and they'd have these days, you know, where the parents would come, and they'd, you know, they'd doll it all up and make it all nice and everything about their kids. And when those parents left, dude, it was indoctrination time. You know, you say, well, what are we supposed to do? I, I, I don't know. I think you have to decide that yourself. But we've got liberal professors standing behind lecterns that are feeding our kids lies every day. And that's why, and what we don't realize, I don't know why I need to get off on this, but what we don't realize is, is that we've had decades of this stuff going on. I watch, you know, my, how old are you now, honey? Where's my daughter at? How old are you? Huh? 13, what? 33? Something like that. She doesn't even know how old she is. Well, anyway, I can remember, you know, that, um, um, you know, when she got out of high school and she, uh, started going to UNO and everything like that and got her degree and watched some of the kids that she graduated with. And I'm telling you, within one year, these kids came back with a completely different, in one year, they came back with a completely different personality than when they left. Are you with me? And you say, well, what's that all about? It's, it's the spirit of the world. Can your children be educated? Absolutely. Can they be successful? Absolutely. But you know, we may need to rethink how it is that we're doing that. You spend your entire life, you know, with the 18 years with your kid doing what you can to try to put something in them, and in 12 months they destroy it? Now, some people won't agree with me, and that's okay, okay? But I'm just telling you, man, there's stuff that's going on that we need to wake up to. Are you with me? And, and unfortunately, you know, when it comes to uh, people that are in authority, they're rolling over on these deals. You know what I mean by that? They're not standing up because they don't want to get sued. They don't want to get fired. They don't, you know, all of these different kinds of things. But I'm telling you, you guys, we're going to have to take a stand. Am I in the right house? Huh? You're going to have to stand up for righteousness. That's all there is to it. Hallelujah. Because thank God we're in this world, but we're not of it. Wow. For the eyes of the Lord are running all over the world to find somebody like you to show himself strong in your behalf. Let's look at that one more time with me, if you would, please. And I want to give you a little bit of background. Let's go ahead and read the verse again, because I want you to see the context. In verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole world, or earth, to give strong support... Hallelujah, to those whose heart is blameless toward him. And then it goes on to say, to finish the verse, you have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Wouldn't you like to know the backstory on this? Sure. It's a king by the name of Asa. And uh, he actually gave birth to Jehoshaphat. We know him a little bit more because there's a lot written in, you know, the scriptures about him and that he was a good king. Well, Asa was actually a very good king too. He reigned as a king for 41 years in Judah. He actually reigned over Judah and Benjamin, two of the tribes of Israel. There were 10 other tribes uh, that were called Israel, and they were at odds with one another during that period. And uh, the Bible tells us that, you know, that Asa, when he followed the Lord, he got blessed. How many of you know when you follow the Lord, you'll get blessed? And he did that for 35 years. Now, I want you to back up into the 15th chapter with me because let's, let's read this because I think it's so appropriate 
for where you and I find ourselves to be today. Notice in the 15th chapter, beginning with verse 1, it says that the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. Isn't there a scripture in the New Testament that says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you? Sure. So he says, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. This is the value of God's word in our life. But when but when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. For great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. They were broken in pieces, nation was crushed by nation, and city by city. Listen, does this not sound like what's going on? Our cities are being destroyed. Now notice what it goes on to say then. It says, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. Now people would say that, you know, God's the one that's causing this. He's not causing it. It's the sin nature of man that is bringing it about. But notice this very last verse because it's powerful. But you take, what's that word? Courage. Do not let your hand be weak for your work shall be what? Rewarded. So what does that mean? That means that in the midst of all of this, if you and I, praise God, keep our eyes on him, he'll take care of us. Can you say amen? Now what's unfortunate about Asa's story is that for 35 years he had peace his kingdom was great and all of this and that and the other. Well, in, they got into a, a fight with Israel and Israel came up and they, they blocked uh, the road in and out or whatever the case might be. And they fought against uh, uh, Asa. And what Asa did is he went to the Syrians instead of to God. I think it's worth reading. You, you got time to read this with me? Look with me in the 16th chapter. Verse 1, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, uh, Beshashah, or however you pronounce his name, uh, king of Israel went up against Judah and built uh, Ramah that he might permit no one to go out or to come in to Asa, the king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasure house of the Lord and from the king's house and sent to Benadad, uh, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, there is a covenant between you and me, there, uh, as there was between my father and your father, behold, I'm sending you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with uh, Beshashah, the king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And so Benadab listened to, the king, or listened to King Asa, sent the commanders of the armies against the city of Israel, and they conquered these different cities. And uh, then in verse 5, when Beshashah heard it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. And then King Asa took all Judah, and they went down there and carried off everything that they had done, which is uh, that he was building. Then verse 7, the Bible says, another seer or prophet came, his name was Hananiah, and the seer came to King uh, uh, Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the armies of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans and huge armies and very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them to your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro to show himself strong to those whose hearts are blameless toward him. You've done foolishly in this, and so from now on you'll have wars. Then Asa was angry with the preacher. Imagine that. And it says that he put him in stocks in prison for he was in a rage with him because of this. Listen, the, the preacher didn't have anything to do with it. It's what Asa had done. And he inflicted cruelties upon a bunch of other people. So all of a sudden, so all of a sudden for 35 years, this guy is following God. And for some reason, he switches. 
and he turns to his enemy for help. Guess what? You don't want to do that. Huh? And he said, because of this, you're going to have wars. Well, Asa actually lived about six more years. He did have trouble. He became diseased in his feet. And instead of, you know, looking to the Lord, he, you know, went to the physicians. He ended up dying. You know, how many of you know God is our help and our refuge and ever-present help in the time of trouble? Hallelujah. I mean to tell you, my, God, my friends, we need to look to him today. Amen. Because if we'll do that, I guarantee you, praise God, he'll show up where our lives are concerned. As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord gave him improbable victories. And guess what? He'll do the same thing for you. If we're threatened, guess what? God will show up to help us. Amen? You know, when we see things that are going on, how many of you know we can pray? And the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women makes tremendous power available. Glory be to God. And not only that, but, you know, <clears throat> don't let your heart be divided. Let your heart be focused upon him and him alone. Don't make a covenant with your enemies. You say, who are my enemies? You know, people that, you know, that suffer from drug addictions and alcohol and different things. How many of you know they suffer because of it? It is their enemy. It is not their friend. But this is what happens. People so often will say, well, you know, if you'll take away my pain, if you'll make me feel good, if you'll make me forget about my problems, I'll be your friend. And the drug or the alcohol or whatever says, I'm in. The only problem is, it doesn't help them. It makes life worse. How many of you know the devil's a liar? He has no truth in him. You know, and sometimes, you know, it looks like this would be a better way. Just like in Asa's case, he went to his enemy for help. He missed God. And this is the reason why I want to bring this up to you this morning is because in all of your lives, if you're a child of God and a believer, God has done great things for you. And I tell you, you need to rehearse your victories. You need to rehearse what it is that God has done within your past. You remember David when Saul said, you can't do this, kid. You know, you're in trouble. He says, listen, God, what's he doing? He's rehearsing his past victories. There was a bear that came out, and the Lord my God helped me to destroy that bear. There was a lion that did the same thing, and he helped me to destroy that lion. And this uncircumcised Philistine is just going to be like him. Are you listening to me? He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord my God. Hallelujah. How dare you defy the armies of the living God? And guess what? An improbable battle became David's victory. And all of you, maybe not on that scale, but you've been touched by God. I mean, you think about for just one moment your salvation and how lost and undone and messed up you were. And then God came and rescued you from that mess. That's something you can rejoice in. Amen. A lot of years ago, when we first got started 40 some years ago, we were met, meeting in a little home, and there was a couple that came to our church while it was in um, this house. And uh, first taste, because it was during this move of the charismatic movement, and uh, they got turned on to the Word of God, but you know, when you live in the middle of nowhere, there aren't that many churches that are preaching the Word of faith. And so they drove up, and, but uh, it was a long distance for them. This would have been in 1979. Everybody say, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Amen. Well, in, uh, for the next five years, still loved God, still wanted to serve God, were still passionate about the things of God. But for five years, there was no church close by for them to be able to attend. And they were struggling with the distance you know, we used to say, well, hey, man, a church lies worth the drive, you know, and that'd be true. And so they're, they're having this, they're having this uh, battle, you know, as to what it is that they're going to do if they're willing to make this commitment in their life. But they knew, you know, that what they were getting was good because it was teaching them how to live. And not only that, but it was talking about the power of the Holy Ghost in their lives. How many of you thank God for the Holy Ghost? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
You know, people want to, oh, don't talk about that Holy Ghost stuff. I'm telling you, we ought to talk more about the Holy Ghost in, in, its, in its power. And I'll give you the, the great reason why. Is so this couple is trying to decide whether they're going to keep this commitment up or not. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And one day, they were out doing what they were doing, and, and this individual was a farmer, and he is walking across, uh, you know, uh, the acreage there or whatever, having this struggle about what to do, whether to continue coming to church or not. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God arrests this man and says, your son is drowning. And he knew exactly that his son had crawled up in a uh, wagon, a gravity wagon, and he had turned it on, you know, so that the grain would go into the elevator and go up into the bin. And his son had crawled up in there and got in there being sucked down into the corn and was going to suffocate. And Larry ran to that wagon, climbed up in it, and grabbed his son out of there and pulled him up out of there and got down on the ground on his knees and thanked God that the Spirit of God had spoke to him and kept his son alive. I talked to him in the foyer this, this, yesterday afternoon and he broke into tears because of uh, God saving his son 36 years ago. Now I'm telling you, my friends, that's real. And when we are trying to make these decisions, you know, whether or not we need to be engaged or we need to be, you know, uh, involved or if we need to, you know, be part of the community of faith, I will guarantee you, and by the way, the decision about going back and forth to church, that was over. And for 36 years, that couple, Larry and Norma Fast, have been attending this church and we got to marry her granddaughter yesterday in a beautiful, wonderful, um, just a fine wedding. Hallelujah. Amen. What a privilege to have the first, the second, the third generation, you know, that we get to preach the gospel to. I'm telling you guys, I don't care what's going on, who's saying what. Don't you ever forsake the church. You find a place where you can connect and you can plug in. Are you listening to me? I talked to my, one of my nephews, and he's been in the military, in the Marines, and he just, you know, now uh, they gave him an offer to be a major, and he passed it up so he could spend time with his family because he'd given 20 years of his life to the military. And you know what he told me? He says, we are so excited to be able to finally land in a place in Des Moines so that we can, you know, get our family together and that we can get in this church that we have come from and help build the kingdom of God. And I mean, this was not, listen to me, this wasn't something he was just kind of coming up with because I'm a preacher and he thought maybe it would sound good if he said it. I'm telling you, it was in his heart. And he was passionate about it. And I thought to myself, wow, what a privilege, you know, to, to see a guy who has given all of his life to the service of this country, and now he wants to go back to Des Moines, Iowa, and help in a church and advance the kingdom of God. Guarantee you, man, that is the best. Woo! Glory to God! And so may we all have that same ambition. Are you listening to me? The eyes of the Lord are looking for people just like you. Let's not have him have to look very far. Amen? There's a lot of other things that I could share with you here this morning about all of this, but I think you get the point, don't you? Have we talked a little bit of, uh, enough about this? Listen, I'll close with this. Jesus redeemed you from your broken, messed up, goofed up lives. Huh? And he gave you a reason to live. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Everybody say, I'm a new creation. You're a new creation, blood-washed, blood-bought. So what does that mean? That means, praise God, there is a very real distinction between you and what's going on out there. So don't participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. Just say, I'm out. 
Are you listening to me? Because the Bible says that we're to give thanks unto the Father who has qualified us, hallelujah, to become a part of his family in the kingdom of God, who has delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm telling you what, you guys, you're kingdom people. And God wants you to live like kingdom people. Are you with me? How many of you think you want to do that? How many of you want to join the the army of the Lord, praise God, and be the people, praise God, that he can count on? If he wants to use you, you say, amen. You say, well, you know, I don't know what I would say. Just get up there and start talking, praise God. You know, maybe you fumble, maybe maybe you mess it up a little bit, but I tell you what, praise God, at least you obeyed. Huh? There are people that are searching, my friends. They're everywhere. They're all around us. I'm telling you what, I, I run into them all the time, man. And I mean, praise God, there are opportunities all over the place for us to advance the kingdom. Are you with me? You know, people aren't beating down the door of Fellowship Church trying to steal your places that you always sit in and say, what are you doing in my spot? No, they're not. They're not coming. They're not coming in here. You know, it's not droves of them coming in, you know. And you know Why? Because they're not coming. They're not comfortable in a church. You with me? You know why I went to a church? A girl. Come on, let's just get honest about it. I didn't care about that, but but I was willing. You know, I mean, it's worth the risk. You know, here I come, long hair down the middle of my back into this church. Everybody's looking at me like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And it wasn't verbal, but I was thinking... I'm after her. <laughs> huh? So what brought me into the church? She did. What helped me find my life in Christ? It wasn't the church. It was a family within that church that loved me in my sin, and they kept after me, not after me, but in my, they, they stayed in my life until I could find Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. You guys, we need to love the world. I mean, the people, you know. I'm not talking about loving the world. You get that, don't you? Yeah. But I'm telling you what, man. People are messed up. They are goofed up. It's kind of like, wow, where did you come from? Well, they came from the world. And it seems to become more and more You know, I mean, the gravity of it is just getting nuts. But I'm telling you, there are people that are looking for answers, and you are the person that God wants to use. Are you listening to me? So forget about, you know, the way they look, the way they smell or don't smell, or whatever the case might be, or if they, you know, are part of your group or not. They're not part of your group. But they need Jesus just like all the rest of us. God help us to be reapers in this last day. Let's everybody stand. I've talked long enough. Hallelujah. Y'all glad you came? Hallelujah. All right. Would you just, uh, if you got a husband or wife or family member or whatever, just catch hands with them. We're going to pray together. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we are so, so thankful. So thankful, Father for all that you have given us, the lives that you've touched, the people who have been changed. And God, as a church, we pray, help us to become reapers, Father. Help us to reach out to those, not in an in a arrogant kind of way, but in a loving way to help people find their lives in Christ. God, I pray for families here today. God, if there's dissension or just discord within their lives, people pulling in different directions, having their own desires and things, God, I ask you to unite their hearts together under this blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ and his love for all of us. Father, I pray that if there are those here within the sound of my voice right now, That God, if unforgiveness or some type of an offense has somehow held them up and kept them from moving forward in what it is that you have for them, God, I ask you to help them right now to let it go. 
I ask you, Father, to help them to repent before you right now and just say, God, I was wrong, and I'm sorry, and I ask you to forgive me, and I pray for that person who caused the offense. And let there be grace that abounds within our lives. God, help us not to be the judges of everything and everyone that's going on within this world, as difficult as it might be. But God, help us to be the people that you would have us to be. And Father, in these days, in these weeks, and even these months ahead, God, help us to become reapers. The God that we're reaching out to people that we're giving of ourselves and our time and our lives to impact them with this gospel that we have had the privilege of being entrusted with. And God, I just thank you for helping us to get as many of them into the kingdom of God as we can before you come. And I just thank you, Father God, for your blessing in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, while you're...